Welcome back to the Read Connected podcast. In everyone's day, we're constantly interacting with other people within and around our environments. With each interaction, we learn a little bit more about what to expect, and if we're lucky, a little bit about ourselves. Each one of these interactions ultimately shapes our behaviors and potentially establishes relationships. Now, when we talk about relationships, we're not just referring to romantic partnership, but we're really describing the full spectrum of relationships, the full gamut of friends, families, coworkers, community members, acquaintances, and of course, also romantic relationships. With each relationship, there may be different roles and expectations that come along with them. And I like the old adage of sometimes people come into your life for a reason, a season, or forever. So thinking back in your own lives, we're sure you can identify different versions or levels and intensities of relationships that you've had, whether it be the nostalgia of a classmate or childhood friend, mentorship from a coach, teacher, or other respected adult in your life, family relationships, or even a first romantic relationship or crush. So think back to that time and consider what was necessary to establish or maintain that relationship. Because today we're not just going to focus on relationships, but we're going to focus on the primary foundation that allows for us to have good, solid relationships. And that key tenant that we're going to focus on today is communication. So Alexis, this is a great topic for us to discuss because our job is basically to communicate with people, right? You meet with individuals every day and your job is to work with them collaboratively around their learning and their education and the teachers that you work with as well for their professional development. And my job as a therapist and a consultant and an educator at the college level is also mm -hmm. to communicate. That's pretty much our job, right? And and I can say from my experience, I'm sure this is the same for you, is uh, communication takes practice and experience. You know, it's like a craft. It's something that we have to reflect on and learn about. The thing is, nobody ever really teaches us, <laughs> hey, you know, like you, you treat it like a subject in school to think about how you're communicating with people. Um, and so, you know, for me, at least in my career and personal life as well, it, I felt like it's been very important to reflect on the way I communicate with people to be as effective as possible because it is the glue, as you said earlier, to to building a relationship and to being effective in in what you're doing in the workplace and in and, and personal lives as well. So why don't we start broad here, right? Like what what are some traps that you think people can fall into when it comes to uh, communication in, in relationships, whether that's in your career, um, personal life, family, all that stuff. You know, what are some traps that really kind of get people stuck in their communication patterns? Oh my gosh, there's so many. And I imagine we're only going to kind of brush the surface of this topic. But, you know, I think one of the biggest traps that people fall in, and I hear about this all the time, both from a learner perspective, a teacher perspective, a parenting perspective, that oftentimes we do a lot of mind reading. We, we try to think what other people want, what they feel, what they're going to say <laughs> before anybody actually communicates anything. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Sometimes people don't need to say words to communicate. There's also nonverbal communication that's really powerful too. And, you know, oftentimes you know, our expectations sometimes can be true and sometimes not. But I think one of the biggest traps that people fall in across all spectrums of life, all aspects of life, is that we we make assumptions of what people want to say, what they're going to say and what they need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, it's kind of like uh, our brains are wired to predict. We mm -hmm. talked about this with the anxiety episode, that our anxiety is almost like a predictive um, system to predict what will happen, you know, based on what we're imagining, based on the past, based on our expectations. So yeah, for sure, you know, expectations and assumptions are, are traps that we can fall into because we can't mind read, you know, maybe someone has some amazing power to mind read, <laughs> but, you know, that's not like built into our brains. So, uh, but we can predict and, you know, it's not like we're not, that, that, that's not to say that we're not um, okay at mind. Sometimes we may be okay at mind reading. That's part of being in a deep relationship is you can almost finish the other person's words. 
you know, you can um, kind of sense what they may need, you know, kind of like a, a parent with a young child, you kind of, you notice, oh, they're, they're getting cranky, so maybe they're hungry or maybe they're getting sleepy, you know, that's actually part of getting, but getting to that point takes a lot of time to be yeah. attuned to the other person, to pay attention to the other person, to listen. And that, that's something that actually takes a lot of time to get to. It's not like we can do that with everybody because we're not that attuned with everybody. I was just going to say that like, maybe we can get to that point. And oftentimes we can when we have really strong relationships, when you're around people enough, but to just make assumptions right away off the bat is, is really tricky and can lead to a lot of complications. But you know, it's so funny. There was a, a, Netflix Christmas movie I was watching and uh, the little girl was like I need to figure out what superpower I have she thought she was <laughs> a superhero and one of them was mind reading she's like oh that doesn't work no that's not my thing <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of times we assume that that's what happens and I hear a lot from the students I work with especially the young adult learners that I work with reflecting back on their experience in school where they say you know a lot of times my parents or my teachers just assumed what I needed or they assumed I was okay when I might have needed more. And and I think what you said before is so important that we don't really get an education to learn how to communicate well. And of course, from an executive function perspective, there's this piece of, you know, being able to hold on to information and then use it in some way using your and activating your working memory that sometimes is really tricky for people to to activate in situations that are social or when you're expressing what you need, because sometimes there might be some anxiety attached to it, which slows things down, leads to disorganization in our thinking, makes it difficult to plan what you're going to think. And sometimes it doesn't come as automatically. So oftentimes people just don't really say exactly what they mean, or they sometimes don't say anything at all. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, how many thoughts do you have in a given day? And then how many words do you say in a given day? Mm. <laughs> you don't want to be a part of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, many, many of us are like that. We have so many thoughts going through our head that we don't say and so many things that are going. And, you know, that's why, you know, um, like we were saying before, like part of communication is, is reflecting on yourself about what do you really feel? What do you really think? What do you really believe? Mm. Um, so much of life becomes automation that we just kind of go into the motions and we may say or do things that are not truly aligned with what we really think or believe. That's actually why acceptance and commitment therapy act is so great because it realigns you with what you really believe about your values in your life. So you can say, wait, I'm just kind of like, not doing or saying the things that are in line with what I truly believe and care about is meaningful to me in my life. Um, but, you know, it, it takes reflection. That's why therapy is so great. You know, I kind of slow things down for people and, you know, like, what do you really believe about this? You know, the, the, it's like, you remember the, the movie Home Alone? Where mm -hmm. We're kind of like getting towards the holiday times. And you remember at the beginning of the movie when Kevin McAllister, like the, the key point in the movie, like the turning point, he's like, I wish my family would disappear. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, what? this comes up so much, especially in, you know, preteen and teenage years during adolescence. A lot of kids just want to push their parents away, or at least that's what they communicate with their words because they have such big emotions. They don't really know how to express them or share what they need because maybe they don't even know what they need in that situation. So similar to Kevin McAllister, they're usually like, get away from me, leave me alone. And in reality, they really just want people to be there for them, right? They don't often know how to ask for that or to share what they need. But you're right. Do you really think Kevin McAllister wanted his whole family to disappear for the holidays? No, yeah, no, I don't think so. And that's the the moral of the story, right? In the end, he's like, oh, you know, I appreciate you guys. Um, but yeah, that's right. It's like, you know, communicating what you really feel and what you really need and what you really want is hard, especially when, you know, it goes both ways too, right? The other person that you're communicating to, you know, it plays a role too to be able to listen and then make the context to, to, to listen carefully. Our whole job as a therapist, like we have classes basically on how to listen mm. to people. Like, you know, that's because like you said, we don't get training in life or in school on how to do that. It's one of the most important things. I mean, there's actually a lot of jobs out there where that's important. Mm. You know, I was talking to someone who's going kind of into the business world and uh, he was saying one of his professors says one of the, the key elements to being a successful manager is to tolerate uncertainty and to mm. communicate well through uncertainty. And like, that's a soft skill. That's something that is like this. It's, you know, effective communication. So 
uh, it all takes time and practice and and um you know we all have to work on it because you know and there's no like incentive to work on it other than you got to pay attention to how your relationships are going mm-hmm. if they're going well great if they're not if things are bumpy or if you're frustrated maybe look inside yourself and say well how can i you know improve maybe things i can control with my communication and make things a little bit better uh and and maybe it works maybe it doesn't but it's kind of your best shot sometimes you know that's what i really like about act 2 is that it helps to slow you down and pay attention to the things you end up doing and actually being able to, you know, put some language around why this is important to me, why this has become a habit for me. And, you know, in my work, even though it's not clinical, I use ACT as a model a lot of times to help people slow things down and think, okay, if you end up, you know, when you realize you have a test that you need to study for, but you're going to watch YouTube for hours or you're on your phone or you're constantly going out and socializing with your friends, what is that telling you? What actually is happening in that moment? And a lot of people say, oh, I'm just lazy, I'm procrastinating, I'll be fine, I'll do it later. And I think that's a narrative that oftentimes we start to communicate with ourselves. Mm. So there's this other layer too of like, how are we communicating with ourselves to justify some of the behaviors, habits, and actions that we do that sometimes get in our way, that help that actually move us away from our goals. And we don't usually catch ourselves, right? We're just going through the motions and in the busy, day day to day that we have, we don't usually stop to say, okay, what belief do I have? What belief has been reinforced either through people around me or myself that is leading to me doing these things that's actually getting in the way of what I want for myself? That is such a great point. Your job is so much about that, mm-hmm. right? Like if people don't understand what's getting in the way of what they're doing, what they're learning, they can have a false belief about why it's happening and mm. reinforce it through their language, through what they're saying, through what people are saying to them. Mm-hmm. And so like as a clear example, like, you know, someone who's procrastinating, um, are, they're just saying, you know, I just don't, and I've heard this too with people I work with is like, you know, I just, I, it's just, I don't really want to do it. It's just so much. It's just so much. And, w- and what they're really saying is, you know, as we dig into it is, um, you're looking at, at it as if you have to complete the whole thing now. Mm. Obviously, you're not going to want to do anything that's going to take that long. But your, your your perspective is, I have to do it all at once. Yeah. Right? And, and, and pulling back to say, well, what I really want to say is, it's not that I just don't want to do it. It's that I'm looking at it the wrong way. I'm looking at it as a marathon rather than as kind of taking a few sprints and then resting and then taking another few sprints and resting. That's from the power of full engagement. It's a great book about that. Yeah. You know, don't treat things as a marathon. That's going to just take forever. It's going to overwhelm you. I don't know many people who want to run at the marathon. <laughs> However, maybe in the Boston area there are. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. But that's, that's the point though. It's kind of like, you know, when you're saying things like, oh, I hate that person or I just don't want to do this. Like that's a very superficial expression of what you're, what you, what you really mean. Mm-hmm. And that's why, again, therapy and your work is so important is to pull back and say, well, what exactly is it? Tell me more specifically what you really are thinking and feeling, what led you to think and feel and believe that. Yeah. Uh, and then pulling putting parts together to understand it. And, and also that helps you feel more understood. You know, people don't really feel understood when they're just kind of saying like, oh, I hate this or I don't like that. Like you don't really feel understood by other people if that's what you're saying. And that's actually counterproductive to what you want, which is to feel understood by people. Yeah. And you know what? I think this idea of the narratives and the communication we tell ourselves, sometimes we have these these conversations in our own heads that we're not letting other people know. I, I actually do this a lot because I have a lot of things going on that I need to take care of and do. So Jerry, I do this with you a lot of times in our, in our work together where I think I tell you a thing that I'm planning and I don't share it because <laughs> it's in my head and I've been thinking about it for so many times. I'm like, oh yeah, Jerry, remember I told you that thing? <laughs> Uh, but or, you we, said, or you said it in passing real quick. Or I said it really quickly <laughs> and you didn't hear me. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, I think that this is a really important point because when we're communicating and we're thinking things through, it, there's a really important point in the rehearsal, the planning, the organizing of your thoughts before you share them. But sometimes we overwork that in our minds that we don't get to the point where we share it effectively. And I see this a ton with a lot of learners I work with who 
sometimes have really great verbal skills where they can share it verbally, but they can't share it in writing. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes they can think through it and they can say to me, oh, I have it so clearly in my mind, but when I try to say it, it just didn't come out the way I wanted it to. So oftentimes like a lot of those different experiences can actually lead to these traps and not being able to communicate very effectively or well. Yeah, and so that that's why it's also important, I think, at least to to let the communication be a process in of itself. That it's like you're gonna make you're not gonna be clear all the time, and that's like you don't want to be a perfectionist about communicating, or you're just mm-hmm. ruminating, like mm-hmm. oh, I got to say the perfect thing to this person. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, yeah. so it's like you know, it's kind of like you know, the metaphor is like writing a song, right? When you're writing a song, like there's gonna be like versions of it that work that don't work but you have to play with it and like play around with it and explore and brainstorm it's like brainstorming a lot of ways communication is like okay let me say something and get feedback and and clarify and say wait I don't think that's exactly what you meant by that or what I meant let me clarify that or, or try saying that differently that's why in my therapy sessions and I teach my graduate students to, to, to do this in their sessions um, who are training to be therapists is like check in to say wait what are you thinking when I said that mm. if I'm going to make a point I'm like hey you know here's something to think about I don't want to just assume that what I think about that is what they think or what was your initial response to that or reaction right yeah, when I said that 100% that's a great question to ask what's yeah. your reaction because it's more open-ended that they can kind of just say well I felt this or I thought that you know even yesterday I'm talking to someone I said you know how does that feel you know we're trying to make sense of this situation that you're going through he goes it feels like you know um mostly right but there's something else that I feel like is missing. Yeah. I'm like, "Well, thank you for sharing that." You yeah. know, I said if I'm a, if I'm a if I'm a unhealthy perfectionist, I would just be, you know, devastated that I didn't get it 100% right, but that's not how I am in therapy. I'm like, "This is a process. We'll we'll get back to this next session and really try to figure it out more more in depth to understand it better. It's a collaboration." Well, I got to share a little secret, I think, on one of the key ingredients to building trust and relationship. And actually I think it is communication and being open to feedback and being a good listener. You know, I think the reason why we have such strong bonds with the people we work with is because we, first of all, we genuinely show up and care, but also because we listen, we ask questions because we're genuinely curious about their thoughts, their thinking, their the reactions to some of the things that we might say in, in, in response to them and their situations. You know, I, I think this is one of the pieces that I see with most of the clients I work with, regardless of their age, right? From young kids to adults, that oftentimes they don't realize how much trust is built in communication, in clear, effective communication. And this does not mean that everything you say is perfectly correct or clearly stated or grammatically appropriate, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, as we make mistakes too in our own language and speaking. Yeah, of course. Um, but, you know, it's it's more about checking yourself and being open and honest in communication. And I say this a lot and I'll give you an example of, you know, a young student I work with who, you know, oftentimes they might, you know, hide assignments that they haven't done mm. or, you know, give half truths on how something might have went or when they get really embarrassed or ashamed, they won't share anything at all. They'll just come in with like a big attitude. And oftentimes that's communication in of its in and of itself. But what I remind them is like, hey, we can't actually make any progress here unless we talk about it and you share what your experience is and what the reaction and response was to it. So a lot of times when I work with educators and caregivers and parents and adults thinking about how to work with younger people in their lives to build executive function skills, I actually start with behaviorism and a little bit around communication, Mm. right? Because the way we communicate will essentially help and shift and change behaviors. But if we're just going to make assumptions, if we're going to speak for the other person all the time, Mm -hmm. and if we're not going to really kind of you know, be good listeners to hear what their experience is, understand their perspective. There's going to be a lot of misses across the board, right? Where we're actually severing some of that trust that we expect. You know, the same thing comes up with young people, especially like, oh, they just don't respect me. (laughs) Or they expect me to respect them and, you know, they don't respect me. And it's like, well, respect is a two-way street. Communication is a two-way street. 
And, and when we communicate how we feel, that actually gives us an opportunity to build respect and trust and relationships. Definitely, yep. And so in, in, in some ways too, is like, you know, um, we got to go through the process of checking ourselves uh, in terms of what we are communicating. Because sometimes our, um, our beliefs come from somewhere and what we're communicating comes from that belief. But the belief may be um, maybe based in a lot of fear and anxiety that mm. maybe, um, let me pull back and just say, you know, what we're saying I think one of the big traps that can happen um, and when we're communicating, you said respect goes both ways and we have to communicate both ways, is that th- there, there's this dichotomy of like one person's right, one person's wrong. Mm. And, or, or what I'm saying is completely accurate or what I'm saying or what you're saying is not accurate at all. And, and the truth of life is that if you pay attention clearly enough, is that a lot of times, like multiple things could be true at the same time. And this is what dialectical behavior therapy does so well. It teaches this very explicitly that it's not either or a lot of things in life. Multiple things can have validity at the same time. But a lot of times with communication, um, it's almost like, well, this is a hundred percent of the reason this is happening. Um, and a lot of times, like the reason things are happening, there's like a pie chart, you know, it's like, well, 75% maybe is because of this 25% is because of that. Mm -hmm. And it's probably way more complex than that as it is. And, and also the context probably matters as well. Mm -hmm. If we don't put things into context, we're kind of missing the point of what we're talking about. And so like a lot of times I think communication, this goes into kind of debates and also goes into about like, you know, blame and stuff like that is like, you know, the, the, the conversation just kind of goes off the rails because there's no nuance to it. You know, it's like, well, why does someone have a hard time um, with um, being, let's say, quote unquote, successful in school? Like there could be a lot of reasons for it, mm-hmm. you know, and just to say it's like this one thing. Um, but there's, there's so many examples, right? Like why does a relationship not work? Mm-hmm. You know, why, do, why does the, um, you know, two groups of people have such a hard time getting along, right? There could be so many reasons to it that, you know, it's important to dissect them and to, to communicate um, rationally and, and, and more accurately about the reasons for it. It's not just one thing or another. Or at least accepting and acknowledging that people have different experiences, beliefs, perspectives that are going to come into whatever form of communication that's going to happen in an interaction, Right. Definitely. Yeah. Perspective is everything. Everybody comes to life with a different perspective. Um, And, you know, one of the things we have to remember sometimes is that maybe if you grew up and had the same experiences as this other person that you're arguing with had, Mm -hmm. maybe you would have the same beliefs. And that's, that's real empathy. And empathy is really hard because especially when we don't agree with someone else is like, you know, we want to, um, you know, it could could be a good out of good intentions, right? Like a, a parent who wants to help their kid do better or quote unquote better or to, to improve something. And, and you know, the, the, the trap that we can get into is we want to change the other person's beliefs mm. or, or who they are or how they are when when the reality is like they are who they are. Um, and, and people evolve over time. But, you know, to go into a conversation to say, I need to change this person. I need to change who they are and what they believe is... You know, it, it's a fight at that point. It's a battle, you know, and, and that's not collaborative. And that's also not giving the autonomy of the person. It's also not respecting the fact that people are the way they are for reasons. It's not like they just magically became or believed what they're doing. Even stuff that you don't agree with morally that you're like, oh, that's morally wrong. Like, there's probably a reason. And maybe if you grew up in the same environment or the same system mm-hmm. or the same whatever, maybe you would, you know, did the person choose to grow up like that? No. Yeah. And that, that's not to say that you have to agree with them. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you have to agree with people that you, you completely think is wrong for whatever reason, but um, you can certainly try to understand. So, so my, my main message here, as I'm kind of going around in circles here, my main message is it's really important to communicate with the goal of understanding first. Mm. If you don't understand another person, or if you don't try to understand another person, um, then it, it, there's a lot of, um, it, it, there's conflict there. It, it creates it stress. Could be conflict, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I want to bring in a lot of my background and expertise around universal design for learning here because aside from being a caregiver and a parent, I would say one of the 
the next most difficult jobs for anybody to have is to be an educator, right? Not only are you managing your expertise in the curriculum, but you are responsible for the development and the education of, you know, sometimes 30 plus kids at a time. Uh, Not to mention when you go into high school and college where you have hundreds of students that you are interacting with on a daily basis or a weekly basis at least. And communication is so key here. And one of the things that I teach the educators I work with, especially around universal design for learning is that variability is not the exception, right? Variability is the expectation. We can always expect that there's gonna be variability across all of the students and learners that we interact with, right? Just as unique as our fingerprints are, is as unique as the learners that are in front of us are going to present. But, you know, managing the expectations of the school system, the administration, you know, the, the content, the curriculum, the emotional needs, all at the same time is one of the most challenging jobs ever, mm. right? And one of the so things, hard. it's one of the things that I really emphasize to the educators that I work with is that we need to make sure that we are acknowledging, right? We, we're not going to know everything that every student is coming into the classroom with, but we need to at least acknowledge that they're all bringing with them something different, something unique. And oftentimes experiences that we as educators have never had for ourselves. So these these students often are coming from very diverse backgrounds. They all have different learning needs and preferences or different neurological capabilities, not to mention the emotional component that can sometimes activate or deactivate their skills in a moment. Context is going to shift and change. And one of the things that I often articulate to them when I'm doing professional developments or just having coaching conversations is, you know, sometimes we need to just press pause and take a step back and take care of ourselves so that we can effectively listen and communicate the way we need to. Because oftentimes the students in front of us are communicating in a way that is often more apparent (laughs) than we might have time to (laughs) tend to or take care of. But when we see a shift and change in a student's behavior, that is communication in and of itself. So one of the things that I often share with educators is sometimes we need to take care of ourselves first so that we can give ourselves some space and time to effectively communicate with those students to be able to just say, hey, I'm noticing that something has changed. I'm noticing that maybe you're not having the best day or I'm noticing that, you know, the work you turned in last week isn't at the same level as you usually are. You know, I don't want to penalize you for it, but I want to check in and give you some feedback and see if you need some support. And and sometimes, you know, we don't need to anticipate, expect, or mind read about everything, Mm -hmm. nor do I want educators to become psychologists. Mm -hmm. But what we're trying to say here today in this episode is, Sometimes just noticing, being aware, and acknowledging is really effective communication. And it doesn't need to be an assumption. You don't need to problem solve. You can just check in. And and oftentimes, most of the students I work with who have struggled the most in school mm-hmm. and ultimately end up with some pretty heavy mental health challenges, they all say to me, I wish the teacher would have just checked in with me and said, hey, it seemed like something's off what do you think you need right now? Or how can I help? Well, there you go. I mean, communication could be the cause of a problem and the solution to a problem, just communicating, right? And I think you're right about that. Like if a student is struggling or if students are struggling or a school or like a whole society is struggling, right? Let's not assume that there's a simple solution to that, that we can just fix in a moment. Mm. And so like complex problems require complex solutions. And so, you know, we all, like you said, we got to kind of check our own anxiety about things. And this happens in relationships and families, right? It's like, we got to understand it first. And if we don't pull back and do that, what can happen? We have problems on top of problems. And those extra problems that happen are resentment, anger, um, you know, other maladaptive coping mechanisms that people use to get through you know, problems that create more problems, right? It's a spiral. Mm-hmm. And so someone's got to be kind of the mature one to step back and say, okay, wait, what's going on? What's the pro? We have to find a process to deal with this. And there's probably a process and there's probably a lot of factors involved. So, 
you know, to, to get, you know, resentful and angry, it just kind of makes things worse sometimes, you know, not to say that anger is always bad. Sometimes anger helps to motivate, to make changes. Um, but if it's misused, you know, because anger is a difficult thing to use appropriately. Mm. I think a lot of times it's hard to do that. Sometimes we can use anger in, in a way that makes things worse rather than gradually better. Um, not always, sometimes anger could help, but like, so the, the point is to, you know, um, to pull back, like you said, and take care of ourselves and, and take space. You know, that's why just taking space when you have an argument with someone is so useful. Take a break, sleep on it, go take a walk and come back. Because when you're emotional, as you said earlier, it deactivates all of our executive functioning skills that helps us to think openly, to hold on to information in a, in a helpful, productive way. Like all the, the, the brain capacities kind of uh, shut down when we get super anxious or super angry. It's not, it's not helpful uh, mindset to be in when we're trying to solve complex problems. Yeah, you know, it's such a good point. And one of the things for myself, I realize that sometimes when I'm overstimulated, like there's too much going on, maybe I'm feeling pretty tired, I haven't exercised or meditated enough, like I am more reactive and sometimes I'm not able to communicate as effectively as the times where I'm caring for myself. So when I say take care of ourselves, it's like, maybe it's even just like taking a step back and taking a breath right? Getting a sip of water before you share whatever you're about to share. To be able to give yourself, I always say like, can you give yourself a little space and a little bit of time from whatever is potentially activating you to feel like you're not going to communicate in an effective way? My meditation teacher has a great way of, of talking about this. He talks about uh, misorganized or disorganized. Like, is there something that's misorganized? Maybe you're just, you're living in line with your values, but maybe something's a little bit off or are things just so disorganized that it makes you feel chaotic and it makes it really difficult to be able to effectively do anything, especially communicate. So it's really important for us to just be in check with ourselves, especially when we're having really important conversations, right? Or really important meetings or really important experiences. And around the holiday time, regardless of what time of year it is, it gets really difficult because there's a lot of emotion that comes up. There's the nostalgia, there's that previous experience that we've had, there are these expectations, there are these points of disappointment because we're not matching up or measuring up to our expectations at a certain point of the year where a lot of information gets fueled into us. And oftentimes that can lead to this like chaotic thinking, which oftentimes doesn't allow for us to effectively communicate. So it's so important to be able to ground ourselves, to be able to take what we need, to take care of ourselves, to be able to show up and to be able to interact and to communicate with the people around us in an effective and productive way. And, you know, sometimes frustration and disappointment will come up, but on the other end, the receiving end, right, that two-way street, can we show up and be good listeners? Definitely, yeah. And, and so it's good to kind of have a, an ideal in mind to work towards. Not that you have to be a perfectionist, but if you have a relationship that you care about, like have, a, have something you're working towards so you know if you're moving towards it or not. If you're like, I want to get along better with XYZ person in my life, well, make that a goal for yourself. You know, if you don't have a goal, you're not going to really work towards it. Um, and, you know, as you're saying, taking care of ourselves is important and working on ourselves is important too because we could, you know, the, the interesting about relationships is we can um, we can displace things we're upset about onto another person, meaning that mm. we can be upset about something totally unrelated to the person in front of us and yet we're acting so um, stressed and angry towards this person who has nothing to do with what you're actually upset about. Mm. Um, that's just human nature. Every, literally everybody does that in their own ways. And so working on ourselves and checking in with ourselves is so important because otherwise you may either intentionally or unintentionally, you know, let out your frustration about something else onto a person and they're just collateral damage. Mm, that's such a great point. And I'm going to actually talk about the other side of that too, right? Because oftentimes when somebody says something that's really negative and hurtful, we hold on to it, right? It's the same thing with, 
when good things happen versus bad things happen in our lives, bad things with quotes, things that don't necessarily make us feel good. Mm -hmm. um, and we've talked about this before. And I said, you know, why, why do we hold on to and only remember the things that don't go really mm. well? Yeah. <laughs> but I want to come back to this because even though sometimes when that, you know, the anger, frustration, disappointment can be displaced onto somebody else. And sometimes that can be really harmful and difficult to be able to um, communicate. Um, and a lot of times the receiver of that information can hold on to it and feel, maybe feel pretty resentful, angry, and frustrated themselves. Um, or well, guilty, or, like it's their fault. Yeah. Something oh, that's, that's not really their fault. Point. Yeah. Yeah. But the, but the other side of that is we can also communicate positively. <laughs> and I feel like we need a moment to like lighten this up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about some heavy things. We're talking about, you know, the downside of not communicating effectively. And, you know, this is not meant to create fear in anybody's mind. Like, oh my gosh, I hope I'm not harming anybody else by the way I'm communicating. We're just, we're just offering some suggestions and examples. But on the other side, you know, we don't want to talk about this idea of toxic positivity because being positive for positive sake is not always helpful. And people notice when you're not being genuine, right? When you're just like, oh yeah, everything's great. Everything's fine. <laughs> Life is wonderful. It's like, yeah, well, that's not reality. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but what we can do is we can be mindful of like when we think of something that makes us feel good or if we notice something that we like, we can share that. And I think, especially since COVID times, I've heard this from so many people, you know, society isn't really interacting with, with each other <laughs> in an open and free way, right? If you see a stranger on the street that, you know, you happen to like their scarf or, you know, their shoes, or they have a great smile, like, you know, you might just smile back. You might give them a compliment. That's communication. And sometimes those little positive moments where you're like, oh yeah, I really like that about you. Or I really appreciated when you, whatever the case might be. Those forms of communication often fill our buckets, right? Mm. They make us feel really good. And they establish a more positive sense of connection in our relationships. Yeah, you know why I think this is happening also is because like everything that we see in the media, the social media, the social media is um, <laughs> on the internet and the interwebs. <laughs> um, it, it's like it, it's either really negative um, and it's just real. Like there could be just reality, like really bad things that you're exposed to, mm. or it could be like overly positive or just overly like entertainment. Yeah. But you don't see any like normal like someone just making someone's day better just in a very subtle way. Like you're just not exposed to it. Right. It's like we're just constantly bombarded with like these extreme versions of life. Yeah, no, it's true. And and I think it's reinforcing this black and white thinking that we're seeing so much, right? All or nothing black and white. Yeah, and like back in the day, we had TV shows that were kind of like like the, the in-between. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, uh, like the family's coming home and having dinner and they make like a joke and we're like, oh, it's kind of a corny joke, but it's funny. Yeah. But like we were like kind of into shows like that because we didn't know any better. It's like, oh, that's a great show. I don't know. There's some shows that we can think of, but like <laughs> now everything is so extreme that mm. we've like lost touch with just being exposed to and appreciating and emulating just like the normal everyday positivity that's not like overly positive extreme where it's fake to something that's like um or it's just like dramatized or something that's extremely negative where people are just like constantly focusing on the negative all the time it's like there, there's no reason for us to do this in between because we're not exposed to it and it's definitely not being reinforced <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to blame anybody, but I have talked to people who have been on reality TV shows or as judges on, you know, these these contestant shows where they have to create or produce something. And, and oftentimes they'll tell me that, you know, they get vilified, right? The, the good parts of whatever was captured or taped wasn't necessarily broadcast. Mm -hmm. So they often will find like the conflict or... The, the really big interactions to put on TV because, you know, those are the talking points. That's what people are drawn to and that will give them the ratings for whatever reason. So I think you're right in that fact that, you know, we are seeing a lot more of these big blowups <laughs> on in the media, which isn't often replicating like the normal reality. You know, I can't tell you how many times a week I talk to a client. I'm like, sometimes it's okay to be okay. Sometimes it's okay to just like do 
right? Instead of aiming for 100 or 200% every single time and then ending up not doing anything because you're in this all or nothing mindset. So I'm like, you know, sometimes somewhere in the middle is okay. And if we can be content with ourselves and our life, we can be more content with the people in our lives. You know, if we don't accept, you know, life um, when things are just okay, instead of feeling like things have to be some extreme version or even get caught up in the drama as if like that's the only thing that makes you stimulated and excited. Like if you if you can't accept that, you're also not going to accept other people. And, and so much of life is, you know, finding ways to accept things that are you're willing to accept. Obviously, you don't want to accept everything if things are truly, you know, hurting yourself or other people. But um, the other part too is that like, you know, there, there's good sides of like being exposed to like the reality of how bad things could be in life. We don't want people to be like, you know, just naive of, of this. So there's pros and cons to everything. But um, we're saying like the, the the middle ground could be important to to, to appreciate and to be okay with the, the middle ground. That's what contentment is. Like you don't mm-hmm. have to be happy all the time. You don't have to be miserable all the time. Like you can be in the middle and be content. And part of life is being content a lot of times as well. Um, but Another part of this about the extremes is like common ground. Mm. You know, common ground is also a word that, you know, we don't really use as much anymore. But, you know, how important it is it for different people to come together with a common, to find commonalities between them that bond them because everyone's different and different groups of people are different and people have different beliefs for different reasons. Um, and they have, you know, you know, how can we get to a point where we can um, get along with each other, even if we have differences. And this Mm -hmm. happens in families too, right? If you have differences in lifestyle or this or that, it's like, well, what is is a common denominator that can bond you? Do you care about each other? Are you willing to learn about each other? Can can you do activities that you care about together? Um, You know, is there a commonality? And, you know, it's one of the most beautiful miracles in life is when people are so different, yet they can get along together and find common ground um, and, and find something to bond where it transcends the differences. I actually love that about meeting and interacting with people who have different experiences and beliefs than I do because I learned so much from just talking with them, getting to know them. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if we have enough opportunity to really do that anymore, but I hope that we can can find more common ground. Well, that's got to be the goal. The goal has to be to understand. Mm. If you go into the, with any other goal, then there's no point of doing it. Yeah. You know, it's like have the goal of understanding and maybe you will learn something. Maybe you'll evolve in some way. Maybe the other person will, will change their perspective in some ways. And, and, and maybe like something positive can come from it on both sides. You know, that's why as therapists, like, you know, number one rule is like, you just have to understand the person and, and you're not, your job is not to try to like, just like manipulate and change them, mm-hmm. you know, it's not. And and that there's, there's, there's lessons that, you know, people can learn from that, from our field is that, you know, that's, that's, well, that's why, like you said, there's such trust and, 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 uh, open communication and open communication is very important. So I want us to recap some of the things we shared that can help to build stronger relationships through communication. So, and we can add on to this too, because I know there's a lot more we can talk about. But we really talked a little bit about showing up and being authentic, you know, having that consistent check-ins with people just to see how they are. You don't need to go in with an agenda trying to problem solve or to provide anything specifically for them. But sometimes just checking in makes a really powerful impact on a relationship. Um, being clear and effective in your communication whenever possible can help to build trust. And I'm going to share a quick example is like, if I were to say, Hey, Jerry, I'm going to be seeing this many clients for the next few hours, but I need to check in with you about when the next Instagram post is going to go up. Can we check in around, you know, 7 PM? And we can sit and do that. So me communicating what I have going on and what my plan is timing wise can actually build trust and be an effective form of communication, which, you know, builds relationships across the board more than you can even imagine. Well, I'll say what it also helps with is real quick is that it prevents feeling trapped. Mm. So, you know, talking to someone else recently, you know, it's like if you don't say what your limits are ahead of time, then you're going to be in a situation where it's like, well, they don't know what your limits are. So they're just going to kind of take up your time or your energy where you don't have it. Uh-huh. And it's not that you don't care about the other person. It's that you just have limits. And it's like, well, I got to go do my homework or something. It's like, you know, so if you don't proactively communicate your limits with someone, 
they're not going to know. And then you may be resentful or kind of harbor, you know, especially if you're sensitive and you're afraid of hurting their feelings, you're going to be uncomfortable. So, you know, uh, being proactive is helpful communication for that reason. It's planning, it's previewing, right? And when we plan and preview, we actually help to reduce some anxiety and stress around, oh, what's going to happen? When's this going to happen? Are they going to ask me for something? Am Mm. I going to be available? So it really reduces a lot of that, you know, the the whole nervous system that can get overactivated when we're anticipating something we're not sure of. So that previewing and planning in communication is so important and it's so powerful. And this especially is important from a teacher-student relationship, from a parent and child relationship, and especially in, you know, romantic relationships and work relationships and friendships, you know, leaving people hanging not knowing what's going to happen, this whole fad of ghosting just disappearing and then all of a sudden popping back up again, that creates a lot of anxiety and worry. And I'm, I'm not saying just ghosting and dating and relationships, but also in friendships, right? Like you just disappear. But how helpful would it be for somebody to say, hey, I'm going to be really busy for the next few days. If you don't hear from me, this that's why. You know, or I'm having a really hard time right now. I need to kind of just retreat and do what I need to do and I'll I'll reach out when I'm available. You know, that form of communication is so important. We'll dive a little bit deeper into that in a minute, but I want to keep recapping that, you know, we also talked about sharing positive forms of communication when the spirit moves you, right? Not just to share it for sharing sake, but if something really lights you up, you know, give a compliment, share that you appreciated something somebody did for you. Those random acts of kindness go a really long way. There's so much new research out there now that shows that when you do things that are good for others and you do it from your heart, it actually helps you to feel better and it helps the other person to lift their mood, as we talked about in the last episode, more than you would even expect. Sometimes the littlest thing goes the longest way. I agree 100%. And you have to look for the good too. Mm. You know, if you're not looking for it, you're not going to find it. You find what you seek, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a reminder. We all need reminders, right? We need reminders to focus on the positives because if we don't, we're going to forget about them. Things we're grateful for, you know, not just in Thanksgiving or the holidays, like all the time. Like just, you know, for me, like I have a routine every morning and I'm not going to say exactly what the routine is, but it, a lot of it is reminders of how I want to live my life mm-hmm. and what I wish for for other people in my life and for myself. Um, and so, you know, we all need reminders. Otherwise, we're just going to get caught up in this automation and it's a downward spiral. It could become because it gets reinforced in itself. So I, I agree with you. You got to look for the good. And it's a, it's a creative, playful thing too, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can you can you can talk to someone and, and do something positive for someone in a positive, playful, creative way. Like you know, kind of be a kid at heart. You know, pull back and co- come back to that aspect of life that we lost touch with as we get older. Well, our uh, office neighbor Pete Savas, who is on season two, he is great at doing that around the office. He actually has a a wall outside his office that has a lot of dad jokes on it. And yeah. there's such a levity that comes from that thinking about, you know, what what we can add or what's there. It just, you know, it just lightens the mood a little bit and gives you that playful, creative moment that he doesn't even have to do much. He's just checking in, he's cracking a joke. And sometimes that goes a really long way and it can cheer somebody up who might be having a really bad day totally. just in that one moment. Totally. And here's something else to think about, like give credit where credit's due, mm. you know, like so often, like, you know, once you kind of get all caught up in the automation of life, you, you forget to give credit where credit's due. Like, like there, there's things that maybe your parents are doing that they have no idea how important it is, or you have no idea how important it is that they've done. It's like, just say it to them, mm. you know, it's like, it's like, wow, like you're still working hard to, to make sure that things are right in this way, in this part of life. Like, thank you. Like, you know, that warms someone's heart because it's so uh, untalked about because it's just expected. But that happens in any relationship, you know, a mentor or teacher or uh, a colleague, someone you're working with, like give credit where credit's due and pay attention to it, you know, and it's not like, it's not manipulative. It's not like, it's not, it's not um, overly done. It's not fake. It's just genuine. It's like truly tap into that. It's one of the best experiences of life is to feel appreciated in a genuine way and to give appreciation. And, you know, life is not all about like just being extremely happy all the time, but these little moments are some of the moments that you'll remember forever when it's genuine. 
I would say that a lot of romantic relationships and friendships would be salvaged if people just express what they're grateful for and in like the smallest moments. Totally, yeah. So I think another thing just to kind of summarize what we've discussed so far is is really tapping into your own beliefs and values and understanding who you are and where some of the things you do and say are coming from, right? We often, again, we just kind of go through the motions and sometimes we don't pay attention to where some of the information that we're sharing and the things we do come from. So when we take a little bit of time, whether it's through journaling or through therapy or just having a conversation with a friend or family member, you know, sometimes that's really helpful just to kind of just to check in and to touch base with yourself and be like, yeah, why do I think about this? What do I really care about that's driving that thought and that action or those behaviors? Totally, yeah. And this is a long process. We have our whole lives to figure this out, (laughs) you know? So take your time and be patient with yourself and with other people. Um, And, you know, this takes time to figure out. Now I'm going to add one more quick thing in here and we're not going to go too far down the rabbit hole, but I think it's so important. And in fact, I teach multiple lessons, both in the groups that I run and with the individuals that I work with to talk a little bit about how communication can also create some really helpful boundaries around ourselves as we're taking care of ourselves. So before I said, from an educator's perspective, we need to take care of ourselves. As a caregiver, we need to take care of ourselves so that we can effectively support those we're interacting with. But this is another way, I think, to be able to protect ourselves is to establish a little bit of a boundary. And communication is one of the best ways of doing it. You're not going to like put up a wall around you and be like, leave me alone and don't talk to me for mm-hmm. this amount of time. But I'm, I'm talking about more of the example I gave before of like, hey, you know, I need a little bit of time to be able to do this for myself or every morning, this is my routine. And that's really important and valuable to me because it helps me to start my day in an effective way. You know, the, the forms of communication that are holding on to what you know is helpful for you mm-hmm. is I think a really effective way to show up really nicely in any relationship that you're engaging in. Yeah, because people are different and mm-hmm. people need different things and people um, have different preferences and different uh, ways that they can get through their day to day that's just different. Um, and thank God people are different, right? The world would be such a weird place if everybody was the same and there wouldn't be the beauty that we have or the the different aspects of life. It would just be all the same. And, you know, it'd be like uh, Pleasantville or whatever that show was. Or, <laughs> was it a movie? Pleasantville, <laughs> I think that's right. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's the, the we, and, and that's, that's about appreciating people's differences and respecting people's differences. Yeah. But it's like you said, it, it, don't misuse it and then kind of use it as a way to just kind of express anger towards people to say like, leave me alone or like stop bothering. Like sometimes you have to be flexible too. Like, so mm-hmm. it's a, there's all nuance to this, right? Sometimes, you know, you got to respect other people and, and just give people space to kind of do their own thing that works for them. And sometimes we all have to flex and be flexible with each other to accommodate because, you know, we're a team and we, you know, we affect other people and other people affect us. So there's nuance to it. You know, I, I don't, I have a hard time seeing social media posts where it's like, always this one thing, you have to do this one thing in this or that in relationships. It's like, it's not always one thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't like, your strength could be a strength and it could be a weakness in another context. Yeah, totally, totally. Context is everything. We want to maintain a little bit of flexibility, both cognitively and psychologically, right? We want to be able to to shift and to make adjustments as needed while being respectful to the other people around you. But, you know, number one is really to take care of ourselves because if we're not actually figuring out what wellness and self-care is for ourselves, and this is a journey I'm on every single day, is to try to figure out what helps me best right? And I have my things, you have your things. So that when we show up in our relationships with our clients, with our friends, our families, our partners, that's the most important thing. Because that allows for us to be able to collect, organize, and be planful enough and mindful enough in our communication that we can build the bonds, the respect, and the trust to establish good relationships. That's it. Yeah. So I... I, I want to end this podcast today in sharing my appreciation for you, Chair, <laughs> as we typically Aww. do. But I'm so grateful for you in so many ways. And, you know, you, you had a birthday recently and I still have the book to share with you that we we all 
kind of shared things that we appreciate about you and things that we remember most about you and you know the way you genuinely show up every day and a lot of people say this about both of us that like oh you guys are so positive but we're also very real mm-hmm. <laughs> but very real but the way you show up and and you're you're very content with life and with every aspect of what comes up for you and and you take it as this beautiful opportunity you you genu- genuinely walk the talk and I'm so grateful for you and the work that you do not only professionally but also personally especially grateful for all the assistance you give with uh, Rafa you're the best dog uncle that there is <laughs> and how you support you know you know the relationships we have in our lives too because we're really lucky to have a lot of shared friendships and really amazing family and the way you show up for mom and dad and the rest of our family is just really beautiful so grateful for you and thank you for all you do for me too well thank you lex um you know i wrote the the song dreams and smiles for you oh i'm gonna cry (laughs) because um (laughs) you know we're different personalities but we also have commonalities and um our relationship has helped me tremendously to evolve as a person because you're in my life and to work together and to find ways to work together and to have a very strong, meaningful, um, positive relationship, like any relationship takes work and takes mm-hmm. time and takes love and care. Um, and I couldn't be more grateful to, to do that with you as a sister. Um, you brought in things out of me that I wouldn't have, even music, right? Like when I was younger, I'm into a lot of music because of you. <laughs> and music is such a big part of my life now, but I don't know. Like it's like that movie, it's a wonderful life. What would your life be without a particular person in your life? You you don't know because you haven't experienced it. That's what that movie is about. It's one of my favorite movies. Me too. Is to really think about what your life would be like without a person uh, who made a difference in, in ways that we don't even understand. And so I do feel that way about you, Lex. Like there's there I, I may never know exactly. How many things you brought out in me because of who you are, um, and we have differences, but that's, many differences. But that's okay, you know. <laughs> we have to figure that out and work together and find commonalities and and uh, be grateful for the people in our lives who remind us that. For sure. So our wish, thank you, Chair, and our wish for you all in this really cool, amazing opportunity we have to be a part of this podcast and to share with our audience, our wish for you all is to find some commonalities with people in your world, share some love, share some kindness, and don't hold back. You. So be well. Thanks, Lex. Thanks for tuning in to the Read Connected podcast. Please remember that this is a podcast intended to educate and share ideas, but it is not a substitute for professional care that may be beneficial to you at different points of your life. If you are in need of support, please contact your primary care physician, local hospital, educational institution, or support staff at your place of employment to seek out referrals for what may be most helpful for you. Ideas shared here have been shaped by many years of training, incredible mentors, research, theory, evidence-based practices, and our work with individuals over the years, but it's not intended to represent opinions of those we work with or who we are affiliated with. The Reconnected podcast is hosted by siblings Alexis Reed and Dr. Gerald Reed. Original music is written and recorded by Gerald Reed. Editing and recording was done by Cybersound Studios. If you want to follow along on this journey with us, the Reconnected podcast will be releasing new episodes every two weeks each season. So please subscribe for updates and notifications. Feel free to also follow us on Instagram at Read Connected Podcast. That's Read Connect Ed Podcast and Twitter at Read Connect Ed. We are grateful for you joining us and look forward to future episodes. In the meanwhile, be curious, be open, and be well. Mm-hmm.